At Farmers Insurance, we have concrete evidence that parking under an industrial cement mixer, that's just asking for trouble. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. The following comes to you through Potbean.com. In the Artist Realm with Sylvia Stein. Here we go. Tuesday, everyone, and welcome to another In the Artist Realm. I'm so happy to be here. I am in, I am Sylvia Stein. This is In the Artist Realm with Sylvia Stein, myself, and I hope you all are having a wonderful, wonderful day. I know this weather can be tricky. We've had many changes. First, it was uh, it started to look like it was getting hot now in March, and now it's back to getting cold. They had a uh, let out the kids out early yesterday my kids and all the kids here in our in our district uh were let out early and then today they had a three-hour delay and you're like it's it's you think it's over but it's not i'm i'll be glad when spring is here so and that's just me i'm from i'm originally from texas and though and then i moved to north carolina in 2003 and i love the weather here because it's not quite you know, that cold. It gets cold, but nothing like Michigan or Ohio or Maine or Boston or New York. Not that I'm putting anyone down, but I'm just not into cold weather like that. I like it. So I'll be glad when spring is here. I don't know if uh, many of you can agree with me, but that's just a little bit of today. But again, I'm happy to be with you guys today um, in the artist realm. I'm going to continue with the crafting dynamic dialogue this is a complete guide to speaking conversing arguing and thinking in fiction from the editors of writer's digest the forward is by cheryl st john now the last time that i was here excuse me i just had a cup of coffee um um it um i started with chapter one he said, she said by author Jack Smith. And what it says about Jack Smith on this, because I don't think I really went over that last time, is he is the author of the award-winning novel Hog to Hog, Texas Review Press, 2008, Icon Serving House Books, 2014, as well as numerous short stories and reviews. Uh, his fiction has appeared in such literary magazines as Southern Review, North American Review, Texas Review, X-Connect, and Posse Review, and Night and Night Train. He is a frequent contributor to Writer's Digest, Writer's Market Series, and was the fiction editor of the Green Hills Literary Lantern for 25 years. So I wanted to go ahead and give him credit where credit is due that I might have forgotten to do last time. So my apologies on that. Again, um, we were talking about the process of writing dialogue. We did go into consistency of tone and character. And I wanted to start off, and I may have uh, covered it last time, and I believe I did, but I'm going to go with breaking with dialogue 
convention. And then I'm going to begin on chapter two, the purpose of dialogue by author Gloria Kemp. I'll just start is the purpose of dialogue. I'll go into char characterize and reveal motives and maybe the exercise. And then we'll take it from there. But again, I'm happy to be with you guys today here on In the Artist Realm Writing Tips. Crafting Dynamic Dialogue was one of the books that my great in-laws, my mother and father-in-law, mom and dad, shout out to them, Dale and Kathy Stein, gave me for Christmas a couple of years ago. Not last year, but the year before. And I got Crafting Dynamic Dialogue and the Writer's Idea Thesaurus, an interactive guide for developing ideas for novels and short stories by Fred White, which will be uh, covering another time. But um, this is the Crafting Dynamic Dialogue by the Editors of Writer's Digest, I was really grateful to get. So thank you so much um, for that gift. And I'm sharing it with you guys today here on In the Artist Realm. And let's see here. So let me begin. We're going to start off with, if you break with a traditional method of handling dialogue, double quotation marks, you need a purpose for doing so. Don't break convention merely to be fashionable or trendy. As Boyle points out, the trend lately has been to dispense with quotation marks. Let's see. But trends, by their very nature, tend to give way to other trends, which inevitably loop back to standard procedure. Another way to look at it, each story, each novel, finds its own mode of expression, which may or may not be reflected formally. Sometimes, says Boyle, I dispense with quotation marks marks as a way as uh, as a way just remember William Faulkner of total immersion but generally I do use them for the sake of clarity most of the time Suarez sticks with quotation marks too though he did find reason to break with the standard method in his second novel Latin Jazz I had a whole cast of characters to worry about so I used different punctuation marks for the dialogue to signal which character was speaking. So here, and um, they're talking about, let's see, let me go back here, T.C. Boyle. Um, and, uh, and, and he's here discussing the work or the, the way to handle dialogue. And he's going with um, what uh, he heard about authors like, uh, let's see here, let me go back here because I don't think... If you didn't listen to the other cast, I wanted to, I mean, the other podcast, you may not be aware of who he's talking about here. So here it's, uh, let's see, I think it goes back here. He's talking about Virgil Suarez, the author. And then, of course, he mentions William Faulkner in it, just to go back and review what, uh, from the last podcast, what he's talking about. So. Now that we established that, established that, we can move on. So he says, then he goes into another author. Van de Berg follows convention, but she says, I can think of many stories in which breaking the traditional standards is very effective. When you're trying to dissolve the barrier between thought and speech, for example, and this is the example that's given. And this is exactly what uh, she, she wrote here. Oh, okay. She, she writes, I can think of many stories in which breaking the traditional standards is very effective when you're trying to dissolve the barrier between thought and speech. And then uh, there's a comma, for example, and then end of, quot of quotation. 
And then there is an, uh, something else that's mentioned. And this is exactly what Filipacci did in her first novel, Nude Men. And this is what the quote is taken from that. I wanted my main character to have imaginary conversations with his cat. I had to decide whether or not to use quotation marks for those con conversations. I decided against it in order to convey that those conversations are taking place in his head. Note the conversation, quotation, quotation, between the first person narrator and his cat, Minu. And here is an example of that work. Give me a second here. Okay. And then it says, at home, Minu is sitting in a corner of the apartment. That's unusual for her. She usually runs to greet me at the door. I hang up my coat, coat drink some orange juice, go to the bathroom. How's the weather outside? asked Minu from her corner. Fine. Why are you sitting in that corner? I asked. Because I like it. Did you see any cats more beautiful than I in the pet store window? No, only vulgar Himalayans. Are you feeling okay? I've never seen you sit in that corner before. So here there's no quotation marks. And then it proceeds. I'm feeling fine. Aren't you even going to leave your corner to say hello to me? I said hello. First of all, no, you didn't say hello. You asked me how the weather was. Second of all, I want one of your usual warm welcomes. I say walking towards her. No, she says, cringing farther into the corner. So here, it and it goes on in the in this chapter. It says, "Sorry, my um, okay, I need to uh, pick up the microphone here. Sorry about that." As we see, it goes uh, in this comic exchange. Thought and speech are not distinguished by the standard quotation marks because speech is occurring in the narrator's head. We hear the narrator speak. We hear the cat speak. This is dialogue. But it's imaginary dialogue. Dropping the, do do dropping the double quotation marks makes sense here. It has a purpose. It's not willy-nilly and it's not employed merely to latch onto a trend. So that's what it says about breaking with dialogue convention. And then we'll be coming back with Typical dialogue problems, and we'll be right back with that. So, let's take a little short break, and we'll be right back. Okay, so now we're back with typical dialogue problems. And this is the intro for that. Okay, typical dialogue problems. Here in the artist realm with Sylvia Stein discussing the book, um, Crafting Dynamic Dialogue, The Complete Guide to Speaking, Conversing, Arguing, and Thinking in Fiction from the Editors of Writer's Digest. The forward is by author Cheryl St. John. 
Typical dialogue problems. Few writers create polished work the first time around. Probably as you revise, you will discover some problems with your dialogue. These issues can fall into one of several categories, and here they are. Giving away too much. So what does Boyle say about this? Most obvious, says Boyle, is giving away too much by way of dialogue exposition. We see this in poorly devised sci-fi movies, but never, never, never in quality literary fiction. I'm not given to assigning long speeches to characters either, but obviously other writers really run with it. And this is, uh, in the parentheses, it said, Dostoevsky, anyone? It asks the question. And that's author Dostoevsky. And then it goes into inauthentic sounds, sounding speech. For Suarez, there is a distinct difference between character thought and speech. The former isn't a good fit for dialogue. I prefer to always split the narrative into what the character is thinking and what the character is actually saying. It's nice. quick. It's a nice, quick way of getting to know my character right away. It's very true to real life. 99% of the things we think about are never spoken. So that's the example of giving away too much and inauthentic sound, sounding speech. Then we move on to dialogue that goes nowhere. Okay, give me a moment. Okay, so dialogue that goes nowhere. Okay, let's read that. Often I have dialogue in early drafts that, that is just blather, says Vandenberg. There's language being exchanged, but it's lacking energy and weight and momentum and revision. I think hard about the role of the exchange in this story. What is being revealed here? What the, Why does this matter? Okay. And then we move on to repetition. A common mistake a writer can make is an early draft, says Filipacci, is to make dialogue too long, not only in the back and forth between characters, but in each individual utterance by each character. Cutting down the non-essential and repetitive, repetitive portions is the easiest way of energizing dialogue. Ask yourself if the, if the information delivered in that dialogue is crucial. If yes, are there other ways of dispensing that information throughout the novel in a less tedious way? Okay, and those are all good. First, it was giving away too much, inauthentic sound speeching, dialogue that goes nowhere, and repetition. Now we're going to be summing up. And here we go. <laughs> So summing up, when dialogue fails, it's because the language of your character seems contrived and doesn't sound real or authentic. It lacks energy. Giving your particular character, the tone is off. Powerful dialogue makes us see and hear characters in their own voices, not the authors. It's high octane. It fuels character conflict and it has an ultimate destination. Okay, so we go to... Tips from the pros. Okay.
Follow your instincts. You create and absorb a billion bits of dialogue in your life off screen. Ask yourself if what you put in the mouths of your characters sounds real, as if someone would actually say those words and use those expressions in the very particular situation in which you put them. I like to set my socks on fire once in a while just to see what sort of expressions will emerge from my own vocal apparatus when the flames reach my ankles. And this is by author T.C. Boyle. Listen, and then listen some more. Crisp real dialogue comes from watching carefully how people behave, move, and punctuate with gestures. Silence is extremely dramatic and should be reverted to as often as possible. I like to listen to people talk. I like to watch their expressions. Nervous tics and mannerisms are golden. Realistic dialogue is never spoken in complete sentences. Fragmented dialogue sounds real, timely, urgent. Give me a second here. I'm dog sitting also, and now one of the doggies is trying to get attention, which is normal. It's one of my mother and father-in-law's, my mom and dad's dogs. They're really cute. Um, but now she's trying to get under the computer where I'm recording. So if you happen to hear a dog bark, you know it's one of the doggies. They do that sometimes. Um, and we'll be right with you guys. Don't worry. Um, it says, sorry, let me go back and read that section because I'm lost to where I was. Okay. Um, listen and then listen some more. Chris, real dialogue comes from watching carefully how people behave move and punctuate with gestures. Silence is extremely dramatic and should be reverted to as often as possible. I like to listen to people talk. I like to watch their expressions. Nervous tics and mannerisms are golden. Realistic dialogue is never spoken in complete sentences. Fragmented dialogue sounds real, timely, urgent. This is by Virgil Suarez. And then we move on to Lara, Laura Vandenberg, author. Dialogue is more than speech. It's about what, what's passing between two people. Conden condense as much as possible. Be as precise as possible. Think about what the characters want and need and fear and love and hate. This is by author La Laura Vandenberg. And then add tension and energy. Pique your reader's interest by paying close attention to what a character chooses to divulge to another character. How truthful will the information be? How tactful will a character be? How carefully will she choose her wording? Will the character exercise self-restraint or blurt things he will regret, la regret later? Playing with these elements can add tension and energy to dialogue. This is by Amanda, author Amanda Filippacci. And as I said, this chapter one was by author Jack Smith is the author of the award-winning novel Hog to Hog, Texas Review Press, 2008, Icon, Sp Serving House Books, 2014, as well as numerous, numerous short stories and, and reviews. And his fictional work has appeared in such literary magazines as Southern Review, North American Review, Texas Review, X-Connect, and Posse Review, and Night Train. 
He is a frequent contributor to Writer's Digest, Writer's Market Series, and was the fiction editor of the Green Hills Literary Lantern for 25 years. And now we're moving on to Chapter 2, The Purpose of Dialogue, and we'll be right back with that. This is In the Artist's Room with Sylvia Stein. We'll be back with Chapter 2, The Purpose of Dialogue by author Gloria Kempton. And welcome back. And now we're going to start The Purpose of Dialogue by author Gloria Kempton, Chapter 2. And this is in the same book uh, with the uh, crafting dynamic dialogue, but each chapter is divided into different authors, and they discuss different things about dialogue. Okay, so here, I'm going to read about Gloria to introduce her once I'm done. Okay, so I think I went a little overboard with that. Give me a second here. So I'm going to play some music. Okay, Gloria Kempton is an author, writing coach, and former magazine and book book editor. She is the author of 11 books, including Write Great Fiction, Dialogue, and The Outlaw's Journey, A Mythological Approach to Storytelling. She's a former contributing editor to Writer's Digest magazine and an instructor for Writer's Digest online writing courses. So that's about author Gloria Kempton. And now we can begin chapter two, the purpose of dialogue. Okay, let's begin with a little tune here. Okay, the purpose of dialogue by Gloria Kempton. You're at the bookstore, browsing through the fiction section. You're perusing titles, grabbing books off the shelf, and skimming the back cover copy. Then finally, leafing through the novels one by one, whether it's conscious or unconscious, guess what you're looking for? And it says, space. The eye is naturally drawn to space. Plenty uh, Plenty of white space on each page. In a nonfiction book, that may mean text broken up with a subhead or a sidebar here and there. In a novel, that means dialogue. Do you remember those novels teachers made us read in high school? Great Great Expectation, Madame Bovary, Lord of the Flies, page after page of blocks of text, long passages of boring narrative. Now, there's also books like, of course, um, I can mention Of Mice and Men, um, um, also The Great Gatsby, you know, different things. But the books that she mentioned do have long narrative, which seems rather boring. Like, not that the book is not good. It's just a long, long list, especially like Madame Bovary by Gustave, Gustave Flaubert, Lord of the Flies, Great Ex- Expectations. So it says here, dialogue not only creates space on the page, which is visibly appealing, but it's also what brings characters to life in a story, which is emotionally appealing. We're more, we're much more interested in a story setting when it comes through a scene of dialogue. 
Dialogue reveals the characters' motives and opposing agendas. Our characters' tense words let readers know where our characters are internally and create suspense for what's ahead in the story. The onset of a dialogue scene immediately propels the story into high gear. Through dialogue, we can give readers a very real sense of a story setting. If done well, dialogue can even communicate the story's theme. Effective dialogue delivers all of these things to eager readers. This is the kind of dialogue we as writers want to create. Now, how is the, is the reason or the question, sorry, the question says, she says, we need to try to understand what we owe our readers when we engage them in a scene of dialogue. We need to understand what it looks like to create dialogue that delivers before we can learn how to actually make it happen. Effective dialogue, the kind of dialogue that connects with readers and makes them care about our characters and their struggles, can accomplish many purposes simultaneously. Let's take a look at them one by one. So today, I'm going to start with characterize and reveal motives. I'm going to cover all of that today and then possibly the exercises. And the next time, hopefully, if not today, maybe tomorrow, or for sure Monday, set the mood in the story. We'll continue with that. And then we'll cover set the mood in the story, intensify the story and the exercise. And then we'll finish up with creating tension and suspense, speed up your scenes, and adding bits of setting or background. And then continue on. But these are going to be very intense chapters. So hopefully you all will tune in to In the Artist Realm to find more about them. And now let's move on to create, characterize and reveal motives. And here we go. This is In the Artist Realm. And now... Characterize, reveal motives. Okay, and here we go. We introduce our characters, she says, to our readers through dialogue. Dialogue combined with facial expressions and body language indicates to readers who our characters are. In real life, this is how we get to know one another. We start interacting. Sometimes this goes well. Sometimes it doesn't. Through dialogue, we decide if we like someone or not. This is also how our readers decide if they like our characters. As they listen to them and watch them interact with each other, they decide if these are good guys or bad guys or a combination. It's in our power to evoke positive or negative feelings in our readers for our characters through the dialogue we create for them. When a character speaks in a controlled tone, every word clipped and enunciated clearly it could be that he's right on the edge mom mom i'm sorry momentarily suppressing a tone a ton of internal rage on the other hand if a character's voice is warm and inviting this could reveal an internal sense of security and well-being a character who rattles off words faster than the speed of light could be running away from himself and a character who talks painfully slow may be unsure of himself experiencing depression or lacking in social skills and it says give me one second here every one of your characters is driven by something they all have agendas motives and reasons for why they want 
for what they want in your story. In some sense, motive is the most important element in a story because it drives the characters from the inside to go after what he wants. It's the impetus behind and the reason for his goal. Without motive, there's no story. That's how important it is. Let's say you're writing a children's story. The protagonist's goal could be to win the spelling bee, the motive to earn her father's approval. This could also be an adult story. The goal would be different, but the motive could be the same. The most effective way to reveal your character's motives is through their own mouths. Mouths. Again, in real life, we do this all the time. I remember a friend once telling me that another person had insinuated she had done something rude. I don't want everyone to think I'm not nice, she told me. Right away, I knew that it wasn't my, that my friend actually cared if she was nice or not. What she cared about was how others perceived her. What she cared about was her image. I'm not making a value judgment here. I don't have to. She opened her own mouth and revealed her motive herself, wanting others to think well of her. Well, we, uh, we do it all the time. Whenever your characters open their mouths, they start telling the truth about what's motivating them. This is what they want. This is what you want to do. This is good. You want your dialogue to deliver your character's motives to your reader. Again, this is how your reader is signaled as to how to feel about your characters. Motives, even more than behavior, reveal whom our characters are deep down inside because behavior is external, but motives are internal. Effective dialogue brings up who our characters are at their core. It's powerful stuff. The following scene of dialogue shows the motives of the antagonist, Sean Dillon, in Jack Higgins' novel, Eye of the Storm. Dillon is a terrorist, has been one for 20 years, and he hasn't seen the inside of a cell once. According to KGB agent Joseph McKeeve, after going undercover and trying unsuccessfully to catch Dylan, Makev discusses the terrorist, who was also once an actor with another KGB agent, Michael Arone. Here is a scene from this book, the dialogue in, in this book. As I said, he's never been arrested, not once, and unlike many of the IRA friends, he never courted media pub publicity. I doubt if there's a photo of him anywhere except for the odd boyhood snap. What about when he was an actor? Perhaps, but that was 20 years ago, Michael. You think he might undertake this business if I offer him enough money? Okay. No money alone has never been enough for this man. It always has to be the job itself where Dylan is concerned. How can I put it? How interesting it is. This is a man to whom acting was everything. What we are offering him is a new part. The theater of the street, perhaps, but still acting. He smiled at the as the Mercedes joined the traffic moving around the Arc de Triumph. Let's wait and see. Wait until we hear from Rashid. 
So it says, and it continues, a character won't always admit his own motives in conversation with others, usually because he doesn't even know himself why he does what he does. This is often especially true of the antagonist. So having other characters talk about the antagonist's motive is an effective way to show the antagonist's motivation. So where do we, where do we live off, leave off today? Exercise, characterize and reveal motives, says. Consider the background of both your protagonist and antagonist. Write a scene where both of them show up and have to talk to each other, whether they want to or not. In this scene, find a way to insert a bit of motivation into the dialogue so we have sympathy for both characters. So, um, it, it's, it's you know, and when we write, we write you know, our our main character, and there's always a protagonist, the main person, or the people, the other characters that are, that are also in the book. And there's also the antagonist, the person that goes against everything the protagonist wants to do. But you could also make them empathetic. There is such a thing. Um, there's books, like when you write a story, um, and and then there's also in shows that you watch, you always root for the main character, but then there's the antagonist at times makes you uh, believe in them a little bit, even though they're doing something bad. But then you find out more about this character. Or you're intrigued to find out more. Like in in my novella Closure, uh, Sarah is the main protagonist. And everyone that reads it, when they read Closure, they'll probably find uh, Garrison, her father, the antagonist, the person that put Ut put her through so much and most people didn't care for Garrison but they do they felt for his story but it was that reason that I wrote uh, the diary of a broken father to show his feelings his point of view not that he's changing anything but to show what led him to become the drunken monster that he became for Sarah instead of her father after the loss of their mother and and you see the point you know this is where the exercise comes in that you can do, um, that you're able to uh, uh, move with on, on in this exercises. So for today, I'm wrapping it up with the uh, chapter two on the book Crafting Dynamic Dialogue. We got to do finish up uh, uh, chapter one with Jack Smith, uh, author who wrote the first chapter on the uh, the process of writing dialogue. I had discussed part of it in the last show, and then today I finished up with uh, a uh, breaking with dialogue conve convention, and I discussed the different typical dialogue problems. Then we went to chapter two, and the purpose of dialogue, we started with the section by author Gloria Kempton, purpose of dialogue, and we started with characterize, reveal motives, and the exercise. Hope you'll work on it. Uh, consider the background of both your protagonist and antagonist. Write a scene where both of them show up and have to talk to each other, whether they want to or not. In this scene, find a way to insert a bit of motivation into the dialogue so we can have sympathy for both characters. Now, in my book, Closure, the most dramatic scene of all the scenes, of course, in the beginning, but when they finally meet up, is at the hospital where Sarah goes to see her father and uh, and they have that interaction. Of course, for those of you that have not read it, I don't want to 
reveal too much, but um, and that's where you put the protagonist and antagonist with each other, and then you empathize with both of the characters or sympathize not just with with the protagonist but also the antagonist. The so next uh, next uh, show we're gonna do set the mood in the story, the exercise intensify the story and the exercise and then we'll move on to create tension and suspense with the exercise speed up your scenes with the exercise and add bits of setting background with the exercise and then communicating the theme and we'll end with that and then start maybe on chapter three rewriting the rules but for now um this is sylvia stein for in the artist realm i really hope you enjoyed uh our show today i really uh had loved having a writing tip show for in the artist realm please subscribe to our channel on itunes on podbean.com google play also write us reviews uh, write a review for the show um i'm already going to 1643 downloads which i'm really happy about uh look at the crowdfunding become a patron to uh, deliver a dollar a month So I can get that goal to 300 and then I can send you a shout out to the show. And I will have uh, readings for my books soon. You'll see them maybe on Instagram, Facebook. Um, I don't like to come out on camera too much, but I will re do some readings for my books. Closure, Chasing Clarity, and The Diary of the Broken Father. So be looking out for that. And on that note, I hope you all have a wonderful and happy Monday. And thank you for being here on In the Artist Realm here on Podbean. Thank you so much for the support. Happy Monday. Check out our show next, uh, hopefully Friday, if not for sure, Monday. We'll see you again on In the Artist Realm. You do it right to update your home and stick to your budget. Lowe's is here to help with Labor Day savings throughout the store. Upgrade your appliances and save up to 40% off select appliance special values. Like a Samsung front load laundry pair with steam. And a champagne finish was $19.98 and now is just $13.96. And refresh your home with $15 off gallon cans and $45 off five gallon pails via Lowe's gift card rebate when you buy select interior and exterior paint and stain. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Paint offer valid through 9-4, appliance offer valid through 9-11, U.S. only. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.